Hello everyone and welcome back to the Wicked Sports Podcast. And now, first today I'd like to start off with a little cheer. Let's go Red Sox! Let's go Red Sox! Let's go Red Sox! Uh, <laughs> this freaking ownership. The Red Sox ownership. it They are unbelievable. You know, and, and as I talked about last week, the whole getting rid of Mookie Betts, I, again, I wanted it. I really wanted it because I thought that he wasn't worth it. He's not a big-time player. He's not a winning player. He wanted some ginormous contract that, like I said a couple episodes ago, I don't think it's worth giving a guy like that that sort of deal. But somehow the Red Sox ownership is still able to screw things up. It is just unbelievable how they do it. I mean, this is a group where, again, I mean, they've they've owned the team since 2002. So you're talking 18 years. They've won four World Series championships. I mean, before that, before that the Red Sox, they hadn't won in 84 years. They didn't win in 84 years. These guys come in in 18 years. They give you four World Series championships. You would think there'd be no way that they would get so much scrutiny, but they always find a way. So today I'll be getting into the Mookie Betts trade, which at this point technically it's not even official due to some complications, which I'll discuss And also, I'll talk about why people can't stand this ownership group so much. And again, there's so many reasons for that. So, alright, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Alright, so late Tuesday night around 9 o'clock, Red Sox finally dealt Mookie Betts. So originally the trade comes through, says, you know, Mookie Betts has been dealt. I'm like, alright, finally. Finally, they finally traded him. We can finally move on with our lives. You know, let's see who the Red Sox got. You know, was there anyone else involved in the deal? Next, you hear David Price is involved. And, you know, so Mookie Betts is going to the Dodgers along with David Price. So, I mean, I'm jumping for joy because, like I said, David Price cannot stand the guy. I mean, you know, I'll give it to him. 2018 playoffs, the guy was phenomenal. They probably don't win it without him. Uh, you know, he was lights out, probably should have been the World Series MVP. I mean, you know, Steve Pierce got it. He deserved it too. But, you know, Price, I, I believe he had a 
2-0 record with a 1.98 ERA in the World Series that year. So, I mean, that's some pretty spectacular numbers. But, again, the guy was a total prick. I mean, the the thing with Dennis Eckersley, the ongoing thing with Dennis Eckersley, whether it was, you know, I think the first thing with the run-in on the, the team plane, I think that was 2017. And then 2018, they win the World Series. So I'm thinking, like, all right, you know, they kind of, you know, killed that whole situation, buried the hatchet. No, no, no. Last year, pulled the same stuff. And he was actually pitching well. And then for some reason, he just decided to pick another fight with Dennis Eckersley. And, you know, Dennis Eckersley, he, he's basically a Boston legend at this point. I mean, the guy, you know, great pitcher, phenomenal guy. He does the Nesson broadcasts. He's hilarious. There's not a single person that doesn't like Dennis Eckersley, you know, around the Boston area. Um, and, you know, for some reason, David Price felt like he had to go after him all the time. So that was just another reason to hate David Price, along with so many other things between, you know, him playing his video games and all this other stuff. But but anyway, so back to the trade. You know, the first report comes out. It says Mookie Betts, David Price, traded to the Dodgers. Right away, I'm loving the deal. But at the same time, I was like, but still, let's let's hold on. Let's see what they got for them. Let's see, you know, the money distribution, who's paying for what. Because, you know, Mookie just signed his arb- his last year of arbitration, which for this upcoming season, it's a one-year $27 million deal. David Price still has three years, $96 million left on his original contract that he signed with the Red Sox back in 2015. So, I mean... You know, that's a lot of money. I mean, just just for this season, you're talking $59 million owed to those two players. So you got to think, well, I don't know. I mean, who are the Red Sox getting back? Because I don't see, you know, the Dodgers, they do have money. They're a big market team. They could afford that, but do they really want to take on two players that are worth $59 million? Um, I mean, at the, at the time, I wasn't sure where the Dodgers were at with their whole luxury tax situation, so, you know, I was, I was hoping that, you know, they would take on most of Price's contract, but again, the, the reports and the rumors and all the breaking news and the tweets, they were all coming in, and you just kind of had to digest them at will. Then another report comes out that says, well, Jock Peterson got dealt from the Dodgers to the Angels, so you're like, well, all right, is it a, you know, because they mentioned a couple times it was a three-team deal, so you're thinking, okay, well, now are the Angels involved, and why are they involved? Who are they giving up since they got Jock Peterson? But then come to find out that was a totally separate deal, so it sounded like the Dodgers were just kind of getting rid of Jock Peterson to open up a spot in the roster for Mookie Betts. So then you're thinking, all right, well, then who is this third team? Then all of a sudden, rumor comes out, okay, the Twins were involved. The Minnesota Twins were the third team in the Dodgers-Red Sox trade. So now you're just trying to figure out the rest of the players. The whole rumor that was going on for a long time was that the Dodgers were definitely going to give up Alex Verdugo to the Red Sox in this trade. He was the main piece that the Dodgers were going to give up to get Mookie. That So, you know... 
I feel like for the last like week or two, everyone knew that Mookie was going to the Dodgers and Alex Verdugo was coming back to the Red Sox, and then all the other pieces were going to fall into place. Now, to start with Alex Verdugo, I mean, originally when they got him, you know, did what I usually do. I go to YouTube, I look up some of his highlight clips, kind of see, you know, what his swing looks like, stuff like that, his size, his age, you know, what, what kind of prospect was he, where was he kind of listed as. Now, last season was kind of his first legit rookie season in the major leagues. He played just over 100 games, hit 294 with about 12 home runs, and I think like 44, 49 RBIs in that range, you know, high 40 RBIs. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, this guy was supposedly a high prospect in the system. I looked at a couple of his videos. He has a nice swing, you know, like everyone talks about that. Oh, he has a nice launch angle, great launch angle. But like in all seriousness, he, he does. You look up his highlights on YouTube, really nice left-handed swing. Then they say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's a good hitter with a nice swing, but that's not even his best quality. His best quality is his, his arm. He's an outfielder. He's a corner. They think he can almost pretty much play all three positions in the outfield, left field, center, right field. They said his arm is phenomenal. So then I start looking up a couple plays from last year. They had a video actually at Fenway. Verdugo was playing in left field. J.D. Martinez was up at bat for the Red Sox. Hits a ground ball single, left field. Rafael Devers is on second. He's run all the way from second to home. Verdugo guns him out at the plate with a phenomenal throw. So I'm thinking, all right, this guy's legit. He can play right field at Fenway. You know, if this is the main piece, I'm happy with it. Because, you know, they kind of made some comparisons with him to Andrew Benintendi. They were saying, oh, he's, he's kind of like Benintendi, but with more upside. So... I mean, again, overall, Benintendi, I like him as a player. Um, coming out of college and coming out of the draft, when the Red Sox got him, I think they got him with like the sixth overall pick, Benintendi, or the seventh, but he was he was definitely a top ten pick for the Red Sox. And, I mean, he was the Golden Spikes player of the year in college, which, you know, if you don't know for baseball, that's basically the Heisman for college baseball. Um so, I mean, it, it seemed like when Benintendi played at Arkansas, he had a lot more pop. He could, you know, hit the long ball more than he really has so far with the Red Sox. But still, overall, I like Benintendi as a player. And this guy's also bigger. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, he can generate some pretty good power. They said he has a pretty good opposite field swing. It'll play well to Fenway. So I'm thinking, all right, this is, you know, solid guy. They also said um, that before last season that he was technically rated the number one prospect in the Dodgers system. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, the Dodgers, they've had a great minor league system for the last handful of years, five or so years. Um, you know, the their head of baseball operations is Andrew Friedman. He's the former general manager of the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, which we all know how well the Rays generate talent through their minor league system. So, again, I'm thinking this is slam dunk, solid pickup, right? Then you start hearing about the money coming in. You hear, well, you know, the Dodgers are going to take on Mookie's contract in full. So immediately $27 million gets taken off the Red Sox payroll, which obviously is a big chunk because as we all know, the Red Sox have been trying to get under that, 
you know, luxury tax threshold. So you're thinking, all right, right away I can subtract out $27 million. But then the big question, of course, was, well, how much are they paying for price? Now, like I said, price is owed $32 million for the next three years. Report comes out that the Dodgers were willing to take on half of Price's salary for the next three years. So, I mean, at first I was like, eh, you know, I wish they would have been able to take on a little more because, you know, when you look at it from the Red Sox perspective, I mean, that's $16 in dead money that they're going to have to pay for the next three years, which, again, is a pretty good chunk of change for even though a team like the Red Sox who have a lot of money, you know, you, you, you just don't want to pay that for somebody that's not even on your roster and who's going to be helping out another contender possibly win a World Series. But, you know, I'm thinking, all right, but still, we know Verdugo's coming back to the Red Sox. Let's see what else they get. Well, then the reports start coming out, like I said, about how the Twins were involved in the, in the three-team deal. So I'm thinking, okay, I assume that someone's coming back to the Red Sox from the Twins. And then you hear that a pitcher named Bruzdar Gratterall, which again, I mean, he has like the weirdest pronunciation of a name that I feel like I've heard seven different pronunciations, but again, I believe it's Bruzdar Gratterall was the next player that was coming back to the Red Sox. So, of course, then, you know, I look him up, I look up his highlights, where he was rated as a prospect, you know, the usual. So I see this guy, he looks like a, a you know, Good size pitcher, big arm. They say he throws a, you know, 100 to 101 mile hour sinker. You know, doesn't throw anything less than 99. Has an 88 mile hour slider. Then I'm seeing some of his, you know, YouTube video highlights. A lot of movement, downward movement going on his sinker. So again, I'm thinking solid pickup. Um, you know, 21 years old. Uh, Verdugo, I think, is 23. So again, Two solid guys. I think they both have about three years uh, left with for arbitration. So the Red Sox would have control of their contracts for the next three years for each of them. So again, looks like a great pickup. Um, you know, I look at his prospect status. They say he was the 84th best prospect in, ba- in baseball, which, you know, isn't amazing, but that's still solid. I mean, if you get in that top 100, you should be a legitimate you know, baseball player. Um, and come to find out he's the third best prospect in the twins organization. He's their first best pitching prospect. I mean, again, you're, you're basically, you're getting the number one pitching prospect from the eighth best minor league system, you know, which is the Minnesota twins in the game of baseball. So again, on the surface, you look at it and you're like, all right, that's two solid pickups, two solid guys. Um, you know, th- then there was some talk about, well, you know, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? And, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth about that. Um, it looks like in the majors, actually, sorry, in the minors, the twins were grooming him to be a starting pitcher. Um, but then this is when all the negative stuff starts popping up. Cause as we all know, everything isn't so cut and dry with these minor league prospects. So then, you know, come to find out this guy, his health isn't in the greatest situation. Um, they said he he's already had Tommy John surgery, which, you know, I heard that report coming out. And at first I wasn't too scared about that because typically, 
You know, if a guy has Tommy John earlier in his career, you know, with someone who throws 100 miles an hour, that's really not that surprising. Um, because, I mean, again, we all know just the human body, the human arm wasn't built to throw an object 100 miles an hour. So, you know, hearing that he had Tommy John, honestly, I was thinking, well, you know what? That's not such a bad thing. Because that means, you know, he got his surgery, got all the way, he's already rehabbed, and now his arm will be stable, his elbow will be stable, and he'll be good to go. Then you start hearing, well, then he had some shoulder issues. He had shoulder impingement issues. And then you're like, oh, well, geez, you know, that doesn't sound too good either. <laughs> so, you know, the plot thickens, and then you find out, well, he's only 21, but I think they said within the last, like, year or two, he's gained, like, 40 to 45 pounds. And let's just put it this way, it didn't sound like it was from working out. So now you're thinking, well, all right, now you have a lazy, overweight, you know, pitcher with arm issues. So you're thinking, well, geez, like, what the, you know, what the hell does this give you? But, you know, still, you're thinking, all right, well, you know, maybe this was the guy that the Red Sox are thinking, well, you know, a lot of high upside, let's take a shot on him, because it could pay off in the end. So I'm thinking, okay... Fine, we'll say, you know, they got Verdugo, they got Gratterall. Let's see who else they got. Because, I mean, you know, they're willing to pay half of David Price's salary. So you would assume they got a third guy. Well, then the reports come out that say that the Twins got Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. And that's it. So the finalization from the deal was the Dodgers get Mookie Betts. Pay his contract in full. David Price, who they only have to pay half of his contract. The Twins get Kenta Maeda. And then the Red Sox get Alex Verdugo and Bruce Dargratterall. So, you know, already I'm a little pissed off that they couldn't at least get a third guy. I feel like, at the very least, especially when you get rid of a guy like a Mookie Betts, which, like I said, I was okay based on what he wanted as a contract. All he wanted to do was go to free agency. You could kind of tell he he wasn't fully committed to Boston, so I'm thinking, fine. But still, like I said, he's technically a top five player in baseball. You need to get a lot back for him. And yeah, I get it. You threw in David Price, and the Dodgers have to pay half his contract, but he's still a decent, legitimate pitcher. Now, you know, Price has his own issues where, you know, he had a cyst on his wrist last year. He's had elbow issues in the past. You know, there was a report that came out that, you know, Dr. James Andrews, who's, you know, the main doctor that does all the Tommy John surgeries on all these pitchers, you know, world-famous doctor. He said he took a look at David Price's elbow and he called it a special elbow, and he said the only other elbow he's ever seen like this in his career was Nolan Ryan's, and which, you know, again, so basically the way he made it sound like was that the ligament, the UCL ligament that tears, which is why pitchers get Tommy John surgery, prices tears, but it heals itself. So, you know, on one hand, you're looking at, at well, you know, that's kind of sketchy. That doesn't sound right. You know, he could tear his UCL at any time, and he's getting Tommy John. But at the same time, he hasn't gotten Tommy John yet. So, again, I mean, from the Dodgers' perspective, you're getting a solid pitcher who's already 
went through a World Series run, could have been World Series MVP. He's won a Cy Young, so, I mean, yeah, he's getting a little up there in age. I think Price is around, like, 32, 33 years old. Um, might even be 34 now that I think about it. But, you know, even though he's getting up there in age, he's still a legitimate pitcher. So, again, I would, okay, so, yeah, Price is 34. So, pretty old, but, you know, he's pitching in the NL West. I'm sorry for a guy that's pitched in the, you know, for four different teams and three of them were in the AL East. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if David Price could possibly be a Cy Young candidate this year. Because, again, he should be able to run through the NL West with, you know, the lineups they have. You get to face a pitcher. You're pitching in these gigantic ballparks. So he doesn't have to worry about, you know, giving up home runs like he did when he had to pitch in Fenway or Camden Yards or Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's a whole different situation. So, I mean, for the fact that they're getting two legitimate players, the Red Sox at the very least should have gotten a third player back or they should have had to pay David Price's contract in full. Then the reports came out that said, well, the reason why the Red Sox and Dodgers sort of agreed on things with Price only having to, you know, the Red Sox only having to pay half of Price's contract was that in order for the Dodgers, for them to stay under the luxury tax threshold, they can only pay half of Price's contract. Which, okay, fine. If that's the case, again, the Red Sox should have gotten a third player back. The Dodgers have a very good farm system. They have a ton of prospects. They could have, I think they have about five top 100 prospects. They could have easily given them one other guy, which I would have hoped would have been a pitcher, that the Red Sox could have built off of. Even if he was a low, young prospect, we're talking, you know, like a single A type of prospect, I would have been fine with that. But that should have at least occurred. But, you know, so again, that kind of ticked me off. Um, but, you know, so, you know, again, looking at Verdugo, looking at, you know, Gratterall, originally you're thinking, okay, they seem legit. But again, then you're talking about Gratterall, you hear he has a weight issue. You hear, you know, he had Tommy John. He had a shoulder issue. Then you're hearing, well, you know, the Twins didn't see him as a starter because of all of his injury issues. They seen him as more of a relief pitcher. Which, to be totally honest with you, I was still okay with. Because, let's be honest, the Red Sox for the past, like, two years, I felt like, have needed a closer. I mean, last year they they had no closer whatsoever. The year before they had Kimbrel, but he was kind of up and down that year, and really wasn't that effective. So I'm thinking, well, you know, okay, fine. If Gratterall's a, a relief pitcher, then fine, make him the closer. The guy throws 100 miles an hour. It looks like you know he didn't. When I looked up his walks, it didn't look like he had too many walks. So, you know, for for a team that needs a closer, you're looking at a guy that throws triple digits. 88 mile an hour, you know, a high 80 slider, a lot of movement on his pitches, and he doesn't walk people. So, again, I mean, I'm thinking from the Red Sox perspective, you can still get the best out of him, throw him into the closer's role, and that's that's still a good return. But then now the Verdugo rumors come out, and, you know, I guess there was a story from five years ago when, you know, he was about 18 years old. He was in the Dodgers, just got into the Dodgers system. He was in spring training in Arizona, and him and, like, two other prospects, 
one of the prospects supposedly was sexually assaulting a girl, and they think Verdugo was recording it, and all this, and you're thinking, and then there was a story that came out that Rich Hill got into a fight with him, which, I mean, for the most part, it seems like Rich Hill has always been a respected veteran in Major League clubhouses, so now you're like, well, geez, does this guy have a freaking issue? Because, I mean, we all know Price, you know, like I said, the guy was an a-hole, but it seemed like his teammates liked him. So now you're looking at a guy which, you know, is this guy going to be an a-hole in the clubhouse? So it seems like, you know, as the days go on, the deal just looks worse and worse. Now, you know, I mean, this is my perspective from the trade. I mean, I know there was a lot of people out there that just right away were, were like, oh, well, you know, how could you give up like a player like Mookie Betts, 27 years old, in the prime of his career? Like I said. The guy's making a lot of money this year. This is going to be his last year. I don't see the Red Sox making a World Series run this year. If they do, it's going to be out of the blue and no one's going to see it coming, sort of like what the Washington Nationals did last year. I mean, at the beginning of the season, people thought the Nationals could be a competitive team, but no one saw them winning the World Series. I see the same thing with the Red Sox. I think they'll be a competitive team this year. I don't see them winning the World Series. So, if you're not going into a year where you think you have a legitimate shot at winning the World Series, you got to trade them and get as much as you can. Now, like I said, from my perspective, now I'm starting to think, well, I don't know if they got as much as they could have been able to get. So, you know, that occurs, and now, basically, when the trade was reported, at the end of the report, it all said, pending physical. Now, typically with all these trades, no matter what sport it is, you know, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, no matter what, usually when it says pending physical, it's kind of one of those things you just ignore because you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's, it's a physical, they'll pass, and it's no big deal. Well, you know, the, the trade got went down late Tuesday night, and, you know, we're now on, you know, midday Thursday, and now they're saying that the trade has been put to a halt, and technically, none of these players that were involved in the trade have even gotten notified by their current teams that they've been traded because the trade hasn't been official. And what's holding it up now is Gratterall's, bruised our Gratterall's physical. Now, like I said, the guy, he's already had Tommy John. He had a shoulder impingement. They said he's been gaining a lot of weight. I mean, you know, he's 6'1", 260, it looks like, you know, and... He looks pretty he looks pretty hefty on the mound, let's just say. So I mean, now you're kind of wondering, well, is there a legitimate concern with his health? Or is it a situation where, you know, Red Sox ownership has heard all the blowback from this trade and now they're getting cold feet when it comes to, you know, officially signing off on the trade. Where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in the least because you know, I'll get a little bit into it later in in the, today's episode, but I just the Red Sox ownership they they're just they make zero sense basically. They don't have, you know they seem like they have a plan and their plan changes at the drop of a hat when it comes to building the the Red Sox as a team, and then also they're so PR conscious. They're so PR conscious, but then. They do all these stupid things, and they say all these stupid things. It's like, you can't be so PR conscious when 
again, like, you know, you say these dumb things, you have these stupid press conferences, you make these stupid moves, you know, you trade for these guys with a sketchy history. It's like you can't do this stuff. So honestly, I'm really wondering if now, because they heard all the blowback from the media and the fans, if now they're thinking, oh, well, let's say that Gratterall's physical came out bad, and now we'll try getting more for the trade, which I guess in the long run, I wouldn't mind. Like, if they can get more, they should, because honestly, they should have gotten more. They should have gotten at least one more prospect out of the deal. Um... But, yeah, I mean, it just, it seems a little sketchy to me. And, you know, at this point, there's there's zero chance that the trade doesn't go through. I mean, you know, I'm sure at this point, Mookie and Price and all these guys that are moving in the trade, like, they're already getting ready. They're packing their bags. They're putting their houses on the market. Like, you know it's happening. Um, so, I mean, it kind of remains to be seen, but... You know, it's just like, come on. And then, you know, and then, you know, you hear the media and the fans' perspective, and it's like, you know, of course, they're not, they're not given the whole truth. I mean, you know, the, the blowback with, like I said, with Verdugo, with the whole sexual assault situation, and, you know, they said, okay, the case got thrown out, but it sounds sketchy. A lot of the details sound very bad. And, you know, again, when you're talking about a Red Sox, ownership group that's very PR conscious you you can't you can't get a guy that has a sexual or a possible sexual assault history you just can't do that so you know that sketch then again with you know Gratterall I mean who knows what's going on with him with his health if it's legitimate or not um, but you know of course the media and the fans they just they come out and they're like well you know this is like when the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's not, you freaking morons. Like, like Mookie, again, he is a great player. He is a phenomenal player. He is not a once-in-a-generational type of player. That is Mike Trout. There is no one else playing baseball right now that's a one-in-a-generation type player besides Mike Trout. He is the only one, okay? So when you're trying, don't, and again, with the flipping war stat, don't be giving me a rule. If you look at Mookie's war in the past 80 years of baseball, you know, at his age, it matches up with Mike Trout, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Cal Ripken Jr., and Ken Griffey. Like, no, shut up, because Mookie is not Mike Trout, and he is none of those players. So, I don't want to hear that either, because that's a bunch of bull crap too. But, I mean, you know, if, if you wanted more of the trade, hey, I agree with that. But don't be giving me this, oh, this is like when the Red Sox trade Babe Ruth, and, you know, we also just traded Willie Mays or, or Ken Griffey Jr. Like, get out of here with that. Because, like I said, too, he was only staying here for this year. He's gone. He is gone after this year. And... This is Boston. We, we we want World Series championships. We want championships. We we want championships. We don't go into a season saying, "Hey, you know, let's you know, let's win the wild card and see what happens." Like, no. We want championships. It's championship or bust. So, if you ended the season with Mookie Betts on a 1-year $27 million deal and you don't win the World Series and then you lose them next year and get a BS fifth round compensation pick. Well, that was stupid. You F that up. So, 
I am, like I said, I have been totally 100% for trading Mookie bets. That hasn't changed a bit. But you got to get back more than what you did. So, I mean, you know, and it like everything else with these types of trades, when you're getting prospects back and you're getting these, you know, young 20-something-year-old players back for, you know, when you give up a, an established major league player like a Mookie Betts, you, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, these these guys might become the, the next big thing or they might be total busts. Um, but, you know, just looking at the situation now, the Red Sox should have been able to pry one more prospect from the Dodgers, or the Twins for that matter. Um, but, I mean, right now, the, the trade's on hold. So who knows? They might be able to get one more guy back. They might not, but it, it kind of... You know, it's kind of a wait and see at the, at this point. Um, you know, because even at a from a Dodgers perspective, I mean, which I knew the Dodgers were going to go after Mookie. Um, but you still look at it for for them, and you're like, well, you know, they were interested in Garrett Cole in free agency, they couldn't get him. They were interested in Steven Strasburg in free agency, they couldn't get him. So now it's like, all right. Third choice, they get Price, which I I think Price, the crazy thing is, is as long as he stays healthy, I can see Price pitching very well for them. Because, like I went over, the whole situation with, you know, that like I said, it's the NL West, you know, huge ballparks, National League, you get to face the pitcher. It's a totally different scenario than, you know, where he's pitched so far in his career. Um... You know, and then with Mookie, it's, well, I guess we'll kind of wait and see because I could totally, you know, we all know the Dodgers have a ton of money. Big market team, they have a ton of money. So I could see them, you know, giving Mookie, well, it doesn't sound like he's going to sign in any kind of extension. So you're, they're going to have to let him go to free agency. Um, I could still see the Dodgers sign him into a huge contract in free agency. But from from their perspective, it's like, well... You know, they won 106 games last year, and they got to the divisional round, and they kind of choked it away against the team that eventually won the World Series. So, I mean, did did they really need a Mookie Betts? Did they really need a David Price? Did they, did they really need to kind of take this risk? Because, you know... They gave up Verdugo. They had to give up Kenta Maeda to the Twins in order for the Twins to give the Red Sox Gratterall. So, you know, they just took on a lot of money with David Price. I mean, what what if his arm gives out? Um, so, I mean, they're taking a big risk, too. But, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, this all, all of this always comes back to the Red Sox ownership group. And, you know, with them... I think the main thing with them is they need to realize that in a city like Boston, if for those of you out there who've never been to Boston or you never met a person from Boston or you know you have, you'll know that people around Boston just want to hear things like it is and just tell them the truth and tell them stuff straight up. They don't want the so-called, you know, as we like to say, the happy horse crap, which is, you know, just a bunch of lies because, you know, people from Boston, we know you're you're lying through your teeth. So cut the crap. Just tell us what the deal is. 
if you want, you know, and that's the funny part. They never tell you what the deal is. And then this offseason, they go, well, we need to cut payroll. So they finally are honest and they say, well, we need to cut payroll. So everyone knows what that means. That means, you know, we're trading away Mookie Betts and we're probably going to trade someone else also, which, you know, obviously they eventually traded Price with along with Mookie. But the funny part is, they never tell the truth, and then when they finally do in this situation, you literally cut your new general manager out at the knees because now all these teams know he's trying to cut payroll. So he's, you know, freaking high in bloom here, which, I mean, you know, the jury's out on him. I feel like he he's getting a lot of, a lot of the blame, which, I, I don't know, I feel like he really shouldn't be because he, he this guy got put in like an impossible situation an impossible position to, to do anything with it um i mean you know granted he should have like i said been able to get back more or get back prospects that didn't seem to have so many flaws as these two guys look like they do um but you know i can just see high and bloom you know he goes to john henry's office you know office oh you know hey mr henry how's it going hey i am we need to cut payroll. You need to find a way to get rid of Mookie so we can get under the luxury tax threshold. And then Hyam's like, all right, cool, I'll go out there and, you know, try and find a team to make a trade with. Bring, 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 bring. Uh, hi, yeah, is this, is this the LA Dodgers? Yes. Oh, hey, how's it going? Hyam Bloom, Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I, you know, uh, so I was wondering, you know, that right now as a team, uh, you know, we're 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 looking to make a trade, um, you know, and we're we're kind of looking to to make a trade to to give away Mookie Betts. Is that something you'd be interested in? Oh, hey, Hiam, yeah, we we'd love Mookie, but uh, your dumbass owner out in public said your team needs to cut payroll, so. I mean, you know, we'll take on Mookie, but we're not going to give you anything for him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wait, really? You you won't? Wait, no, but no, he didn't mean that cuz, you know, he came out in the media again, you know, which <laughs> you know, John Henry again came out in the media and goes, "Oh, oh, no, I never said we wanted to cut payroll." Oh, wait, hold on. I got to do the John the John Henry Henry voice. Uh, cuz yeah, what was the article? Dan Shaughnessy, I believe. Yeah, with the Boston Globe. Dan, I never said we wanted to get rid of payroll. That was something that was drawn up by the media. Like, no, you're a moron. You freaking told everyone that you needed to cut payroll to get on the luxury tax. So now, your general manager, you know, head of baseball operations, whatever the hell you want to call High and Bloom, he had to go out to these teams and try and trade Mookie Betts, and they all knew that. So what do you think you're going to get back? I, I mean, you put the guy in like an impossible position. I mean, just think about when Hyam Bloom first signed his contract. I can just imagine the way the interview went. J J John Henry telling him how, you know, well, we want you as our guy to make all the baseball decisions, but, you know, we got to hack off about 30 to $40 million worth of payroll. And like morons, we're going to go on the media and tell everyone that we need to do that. So none of these teams are going to offer us anything back. And we're just going to get a bucket of balls back for one of the best players in baseball. I, so it's like, you know, say what you want about High and Bloom, but 
I mean, John Henry totally cut him out from the knees, like, right when he got here. Um, but still, I, you know, again, this Verdugo and this Gratterall, I mean, the stuff that's been popping up about the two of them, I don't know if he got that great back, but, but like I said, if you're the Dodgers, of course you're going to give him a bunch of crap back because you know they need to take the money on. You know that. So, you know, so, so like I said, John... John Henry, Tom Warner, the two of them, Sam, the, the third moron, the third stooge, Sam Kennedy. I mean, ugh. it it really never ends with them, and I I can't even begin with all the stupid comments and statements and moves they have made over the years. It, it is honestly a, a freaking miracle how they have won four championships within the eighteen years. Of, of their ownership with the Red Sox. So I think it's no secret for who earned the moron of the day. Hey, moron! Hey, moron! Duh! Look at me! I'm the one water boy, dude! I got a wooden spoon, Red Sox ownership has literally been shooting themselves in the foot for the last 18 years, time and time and time again. Now, when they first started off, they bought the team in 02, you know, they won the World Series in 04, 07, and then when 2011 hit was kind of like when the crap hit the fan. You know, you had, uh, at the time... That was the chicken and beer year. Um, you had the stuff with Theo where he stepped down. You had the so-called mutual parting of ways with Francona. I mean, what is it with them? Every time they have to get rid of a, a manager that they clearly are firing, they have to call it a mutual parting of ways. Like, again, enough with the happy horse crap, the PR nonsense. Just say, hey, you fired the guy. We all know you did so just admit to it. It's not a big deal. And, you know, so, you know, that year with the, the Francona stuff, and then, of course, they go to the Boston Globe and, you know, just total bag job saying all this horrific stuff about Francona and just selling them out. And it feels like ever since then, the organization, it's just like they don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, whether, like I said, whether it comes to PR type of stuff, you know, or firing managers, or signing free agents, making trades, all of that stuff. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And it's like, they can't just let the baseball people run the baseball team. They have to do, you know, they have to meddle into everything. And, you know, I mean, going back to 2011, you know, they hire Bobby Valentine, that was a total crap show. They fire him after one year. Then they were lucky enough, like I said a couple episodes ago, to be able to dump all those contracts onto the Dodgers. Now, you know, back then, luckily, they were able to take all the money. But, you know, they took all the money. They got rid of them. Like I said, that basically saved the franchise. And then they were able to get all these short-term free agent contracts, whether it was, 
you know, Mike Napoli or Shane Victorino, you know, those like three-year, $36, 39000000 million deals. And, you know, that season, I got to be honest, I mean, it was a phenomenal season to watch because, you know, you had a bunch of guys who weren't that great and they kind of came together as a team. And that was, you know, the, the season after the marathon bombings had happened. And, you know, it really was. It was a magical season and they were able to win the World Series and it was an extremely impressive season. But... Looking back on it, and you look at the players in that roster, and, you know, besides, I would say, Ortiz, you know, John Lester, and Koji Urahara, you know, Pedroia was pretty good, too, that year. I mean, that team was not very good. It's just like they kind of just all came together. They had a magical season, and it all kind of worked out. But looking back on it now, I mean, that there was no way to build a team. But, of course, Red Sox ownership, they got arrogant, and because they spent barely any money that season, and this was coming off of a couple of years where they spent a ton of money and got awful results, they figured, oh, well, we have all the answers to the test now. We just got to sign all these, you know, semi-decent veteran players to small contracts, and we're going to be a phenomenal team. And then, you know, what, it, what happens? 2014, they go to last place. 2015, they go to last place. And it's just like, you know, and then there was the thing with John Lester. And, you know, he was one of those pitchers. Phenomenal guy, you know, overcame adversity. I mean, the guy was a second-round pick, top pitching prospect in the organization. The guy had cancer, goes through treatments, comes back, pitches the clinching game of the 07 World Series as, like, pretty much a rookie that year. Then he's your ace on the 2013, leads your team to the World Series title again. And then you say, oh, well, you know, our philosophy is we don't pay big contracts to pitchers in their 30s. Well, for, first of all, like I said, in my opinion, you got to take everything on a player-by-player basis. You can't just make these big claims because it all depends on what type of person they are and their work ethic and all that stuff, their injury history. But, you know, what do they do? They lowball John Lester. He goes to the Cubs. Instead of re-signing John Lester, they get a bunch of, you know, again, kind of old, decent, veteran starting pitchers on small free agent contracts. And what happens? They were awful. And, you know, again, so they were last place in 2014, last place in 2015. So then what do they do? Then they fire Ben Sherrington, but I'm sure at the time, I don't remember at this point, it was one of these, oh, you know, we mutually parted ways. Like, again, just say you fired the guy. All right? Enough with the BS. So, you know, got rid of him, got Dombrowski. What did Dombrowski do? Goes out, signs a big free agent pitcher that's at the age of 30, David Price. So again, going back on what they said, why can't they just make a plan and stick to it? How how difficult is that? You know, like, if your motto is you don't pay a big contract to a free agent pitcher that's age of 30, fine. But stick to your guns. Like, it is, they go up and down and up and down, and they never, like, you know, for a two- to three-year span, it's, oh, we got to build up our farm system, we need good young players in our system that are cheap, you know, and, and that we don't have to pay a, a big salary to. And then, 
you know, in another two to three years, oh, well, you know, the Nesson ratings aren't very high. We need to spend, you know, these big free agent contracts and, you know, get these big free agents. So what did they do? You know, what was it, in 2015, they signed Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval. And it's just like, you know, again, they can't just stick to a plan and go with it. You know, what was the the other one? Oh, the Jose Abreu on the White Sox. When he was coming out of Cuba, they really wanted him. And it came down to them and the White Sox negotiating with him. And the White Sox won the negotiation. And as you all know, Jose Abreu, he's become a pretty solid Major League Baseball player. I mean, he's pretty much had at least a 300 batting average with about 30 home runs and 100 RBIs since he's came to the league. And so, of course, looking back on it, that upset the Red Sox. So what do they do? The next time there's a big Cuban prospect, they throw a bunch of money at him, not even knowing who the hell, they, hell he is. So, you know, Ruzne Castillo becomes a, the next guy to come from Cuba. They sign him to a six-year, $72 million deal. The guy hasn't even played for the team. I mean, he's making like $11 million playing in freaking Pawtucket. It's like, you know, and then they want to complain about payroll and luxury tax and, you know, their bottom line. You know, while at the same time, you know, last year, they had, you know, they go from winning 108 games in 2018 to winning only, what, like 84 games last year, not even making the playoffs and just totally underachieving. And so what do they do this offseason? Oh, well, you know, we're going to increase the ticket prices by 1.7%. Like, what are you doing? You know, and then and then you have the 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 whole the whole Gora thing, you know, and the whole cheating scandal and you know all that. And it's like, you know, when does this stuff end with your PR moves that again they never work? They never work. So just stop trying to, you know, do all this stuff because it's ridiculous. You know, and, and again, you just lie and lie and lie to the public, whether it's through, you know, the Boston Globe or, you know, Nesson and all this nonsense, you know, and it's like, you know, the, the press conference that you had after the whole situation with Cora, it's like I said, you know, you got the three stooges up there. You got, you know, Henry Warner, Sam Kennedy. How many how many times did they say, you know, we need to reserve judgment on the whole cheating scandal? How many times did they say that during that press conference? Because it was at least ten times from the three idiots. You know, like, left and right, media's asking them just basic, any idiot would ask the question, basic questions, and it's, oh, can, can we please reserve judgment on the situation? Uh, yeah, Tom Warner, can, can we ask you about the Alex Cora cheating scandal? Oh, well, uh, I, I think we do need to uh, reserve judgment on the situation. Like, it, it's just like what, like, what are you idiots doing? Like, just write the check and stay out of the baseball operations. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. And then, at the same time, put a good product on the field and... You know, don't raise ticket prices when your team blows, okay? And, you know, don't try and act like you're this high and mighty, you know, group that's, you know, in it for the greater good when, you know, you trade for a guy like Alex Verdugo who has a history of sexual assault. 
I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, these guys. It is unbelievable. And then, you know, like I said, they'll, you know, they'll have people put out these articles in the Boston Globe or, you know, they control WEI and this is what they do. You know, and I get it. Like, money is power and they have billions of dollars at their feet. But, like, like I said, just shut your mouths don't have some stupid PR-conscious press conference that's just going to make things worse. Don't raise ticket prices when your team blows. Let the baseball guys do what they have to do and let them make the decisions. And then, that's it. That's all you got to do. It's as simple as that. So, you know, this never-ending saga with them, and we all know what's going to happen. I think it's pitchers and catchers report to spring training next week. So, you know, the ownership group, they'll have their stupid thing like they always have for spring training. First week of spring training, you know, they sit on the stupid picnic bench and they just spew this bull crap that, like I said, we all know is a bunch of lies left and right, no matter what the subject is. Whether it's, you know, hard, actual hard-hitting questions or baseball questions. You know, I mean, they'll ask about the trade about Mookie Betts. Just a a general obvious question about, you know, the decision to trade Mookie Betts. And again, they'll give you a bunch of bull crap. And then I'm sure someone will, you know, if you're lucky, someone will ask about, you know, Alex Verdugo. And, well, did you even look into the fact that, you know, he was possibly in in a situation where he may have caused or been a part of sexual assault. And, you know... Same bullcrap. Well, you know, we looked into it, and we don't believe it's an issue at the time. Like, just freaking be straight up. Be straightforward. Like, take the initiative of being honest. That's all we care about. You know, because at the end of the day, it's Boston. We love our sports. We love winning. Probably don't love them as much as we used to, but we do love the Red Sox. We, you know, there's nothing better than you know a seventy degree day at one o'clock on a Saturday, and you're at Fenway and sitting in the bleachers, sipping on a beer that you know. Of course, we pay like eleven dollars for a pop, but again, if you put out a winning product, we can stomach that. We can stomach the most expensive ticket prices in the league. We can stomach, you know. Top five concession stand prices in the league. But that's all you got to do. It's pretty simple. So, I mean, at this point, I, I guess stay tuned. Because, like I said, the whole Mookie trade hasn't been finalized yet. So, we'll see if the Red Sox try and actually, like, right the wrongs. You know, for the greater good of the actual team. Or, again, if it's just going to become a sort of PR stunt. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, next episode on Saturday. Hopefully by then we have an answer. And if we do, we'll talk about it.